your period is your fifth vital sign, meaning it's just as important and it's a reflection of your internal environment, just like the other four vital signs, which is your body temperature, your breathing rate, your heart rate, and your blood pressure. So everybody's is going to look a little different, but it is how our body communicates with us. Just like if we get a fever, we know something's off. If our blood pressure is high, we know something's off. If our period is off or irregular or weird, we know something's off. Welcome to Mama Has Goals, your weekly reminder that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your dreams to take on the role of mom. I'm Kelsey Smith, mom of two boys, wife, and entrepreneur who's passionate about helping other moms, current and aspiring, to reimagine mom life. I'm bringing you the resources, support, and relatability to debunk that limiting belief that you may have about your ability to achieve your goals while raising a human. We're covering everything from mom guilt, marriage, relationships, careers, finances, mental health, physical health, you name it. Your life doesn't have to fully shift once you become a mom. You can have it all, and we'll show you how. Today, I have Corinne Angelica as our guest. She's a board-certified holistic nutritionist who helps women regulate their period, manage PCOS, transition off birth control, and boost fertility by targeting the root cause of their imbalances and treating it naturally with nutrition and lifestyle shifts. Corinne experienced her own personal health issues when she was 23. She was constantly bloated, constipated, and couldn't lose weight. She was actually diagnosed with IBS, which is a symptom of hormonal imbalance, and then she researched on her own and got rid of the symptoms and transformed physically and mentally. She suffered from PCOS and fixed her cycle naturally, and now she's dedicated to serving women who think that there is something wrong with them or who would want to take a holistic approach to healing and who have lost hope in their bodies. I had such a great conversation with Corinne. We really dove deep on all the details around hormone health, fertility, movement, actions that you can take in your nutrition, how to be productive within your cycle, and then how hormones affect us outside of trying to get pregnant as well. This is such a meaty conversation, but we do break down quick action steps and taking it back to basics as well. So dive in and learn about how your hormones can support your life. Welcome to the podcast, Corinne. I'm so excited to learn more about your expertise because it is such an interesting topic to me. You know, right before we clicked to record, I was telling you, while this isn't something that I've necessarily gone through, I've seen how it's affected so many women in our community as well as close friends. And so I would love for us to just dive in and start with how did you get started in hormone health and what is your background bringing you here? And then just like some fun facts about yourself as well. Okay, awesome. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm Corinne. I was actually a public school teacher. I taught Spanish in high school setting for nine years. So that is my original background. But what got me to the nutrition and hormone space was what probably most people get brought into it is I had my own struggles with it. So I was struggling for years with my period, but I honestly didn't know it was a big deal. I didn't get a regular period ever. I got my period when I was like 15 and a half. And then it was always irregular. Like it would come every three months, every six months, like three times a year was totally random. And then I completely lost it for a full two years, didn't have it at all. 
And honestly, I just never knew how important it was to get a regular period because my gynecologist was like, it's fine as long as you're getting three a year, like you're not trying to get pregnant right now. So it's like not a big deal. But then it turned into a lot of other things that were actually disrupting my life. Whereas the no period at the time, like it wasn't actually disrupting my life. Like I didn't think so, but it turned into a lot of other issues where I was chronically bloated and constipated. I had monthly migraines. I was experiencing excess facial hair. I was getting rashes all over my body. I started gaining weight out of nowhere. So it kind of started snowballing and all of these things were happening. And no, no one, I went to the gastroenterologist, the neurologist, the um, gynecologist, I went everywhere and everybody had no idea that any of it was connected. They never connected any of the dots. All my blood work came back normal. Long story short, I had PCOS, have PCOS, but polycystic ovarian syndrome, but I was misdiagnosed without it. And because my blood work was quote unquote normal, because the normal ranges aren't actually optimal ranges. So everyone was just trying to throw medication at me and I really wasn't interested in that. So I began going down the rabbit hole of nutrition, started changing my, what I was eating, my lifestyle, saw insane results. And that's what drove me to actually go back to school while I was teaching for holistic nutrition. So that was a two-year program. I did that while I was teaching, started my business while I was teaching, and then grew the business over the pandemic and left teaching in August of 2020 to run the business full-time. Wow. Well, that is so exciting. And one of my favorite things is when people take something that happens to them and allow it to grow themselves, to change their own lives. But now you're actually changing so many others. And there's the education piece, there's the allowing them to maybe get pregnant or get rid of all those other symptoms that you were talking about. So I think that my understanding is one of the first kind of red flags can be a irregular period. So what would you define as a healthy period? Yeah. So the thing is that sometimes we think that our hormones are only connected to our reproductive system, which is why I had no idea that the other symptoms I was experiencing was actually related to my irregular period. So there's so many things that we could go into with other signs and symptoms. But as far as a period, yes, that's something that's really important. And there's a lot of things that are deemed normal, like painful periods are normal, irregular periods are normal, or really heavy periods or really light periods, whatever, like all this stuff is deemed normal, and it's actually not. So a healthy period is going to look different for everybody, because everybody is different. And your period is your fifth vital sign, meaning it's just as important. And it's a reflection of your internal environment, just like the other four vital signs, which is your body temperature, your breathing rate, your heart rate, and your blood pressure. So everybody's is going to look a little different, but it is how our body communicates with us. Just like if we get a fever, we know something's off. If our blood pressure is high, we know something's off. If our period is off or irregular or weird, we know something is off. So the way that we could kind of break this down is a regular period. What like the parameters you want to fall into is you want your cycle because again, a period is just the days that you're actually bleeding. We want to look at the whole cycle. Really your menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign and that's the whole kit and caboodle. So like the day you start bleeding until the day before you bleed again, because your hormones are actually fluctuating throughout the month. So there's things that are going on that we don't really know about throughout the entire month. So you want your entire menstrual cycle to fall within the parameters of about 21 to 35 days long. Personally, I prefer my clients to be in the 25 to 35 day range. I think 21 is a little too short, but technically with like research and things like that, it's about 21 to 35 days long for a cycle length. But the most important part is that it's consistent. 
for you, give or take a couple of days, because it doesn't have to be the same every month. So maybe sometimes for you, it's 34 day cycle, 33, 35, 33, 34, again, like it's give or take. But what you don't want to see is sometimes it's 21 days, sometimes it's 36, sometimes it's 25, sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's a 50 day cycle, like that's where you really are starting to notice that things are off, and why it's really important to track it. Because some people like I've worked with clients like, Oh, no, my period is regular, like I get it consistently every month. And then we start tracking it and it's actually all over the place, but you don't notice it unless you're actually tracking it. So as far as the length, that's what you want to look for. And then the actual quality of the blood is something else. You want to make sure you're actually bleeding about three to seven days, not less than three days, not more than seven days. And that it's, you're not like changing your tampon every two to three hours. It's not extremely, extremely heavy. It's not painful. It should be no clots. It should be about like a cranberry red color. If you experience any like brown spotting before or after, or if you experience really light pink spotting and then a lot of clots and things like that, it should just be like, a nice steady flow, cranberry color. It comes, it goes, that's it. No pain. Maybe like you'll feel different. Like your energy will be a bit lower because your hormones are lower. You'll feel like, you know, that there's something going on down there, but you shouldn't have any pain where it's disrupting your life or you need to take anything. Wow. I feel like people don't talk about this at all. You know, you learn that this is going to be a part of your life as a female and that's about it. And I think it's so funny. I, you know, I always joke that just my personality of when I first got my cycle, I went and stole tampons from my mom and then later told her that we had to go to the grocery store. And when we were at the store, I grabbed a box of tampons without even an applicator and threw them in the car at like 14 years old. And my mom's like, do we need to talk about this? And I'm like, no. And that's just my personality, but also we've created kind of this society where people don't talk about these things. And so people have gone their entire lives not having this information that you're providing to allow them to really dive in deep and know their bodies. So this is definitely a conversation that is so prevalent for women that are especially trying to get pregnant, right? So what about your cycle can that tell you about your fertility or what are some things to kind of be aware of if you're getting ready to take that step in your life? Yeah. Well, so before I get into that, I just want to say this because a lot of people will, because I was one of these people, won't put any emphasis on their cycle being off because they're like, well, I'm not trying to get pregnant right now. And the issue, and that was me for a really long time. But the issue is that when your cycle is irregular, when you maybe don't have a period, when things are off, it's affecting your current health as well as your future health. Because the the whole point is that you want to be ovulating regularly, which you can't tell if you're ovulating just by getting a period. You need to actually track your ovulation with basal body temperature to confirm that you're actually ovulating, which we can get into that later if you want to. But ovulation is what produces the sex hormone progesterone. And progesterone is what's needed to hold on to a nourishing pregnancy, which is of course why you also need to ovulate in order to get pregnant. But even though it does, it is the hormone that's needed to hold on to and nourish a pregnancy, it's also the hormone that is needed and also to eliminate PMS symptoms. It's also the hormone needed to support your metabolism, your thyroid, your hair, your skin, your nails, your body strength, your stress response. It helps prevent us 
osteoporosis and heart disease and endometrial cancer later in life. So regardless, if you're listening to this and you never want to have a baby or you don't even want to have a baby for years, it's something you really need to prioritize in order to like help safeguard your future health and also your current health. Because when we're not ovulating, we're not actually producing a hormone that we really need to, for our body to thrive. So I just wanted to preface it with that. Yeah, thank you. When you start measuring your cycle and you maybe see some of these symptoms, different things, what are kind of the warning signs or things to be aware of if you are trying to get pregnant? What are some steps that you can take when it comes to tracking your cycle or your hormones? Perfect. Okay, so then we'll get into kind of what I just said a second ago is tracking your ovulation. This is what's most important because obviously if you're not ovulating, you can't get pregnant. And if you're like, oh, but I get a regular period, I'm always bleeding, that doesn't mean you're ovulating. If you're bleeding, whatever it is when you get your period, that could just mean that you produce enough estrogen that built up your uterine lining and now your uterine lining is shedding, but it's not actually a sign that you ovulated. So what I would strongly encourage is everybody to start tracking their ovulation, not using an app that just says this is when you're ovulating because that's just technology basing it off of what it thinks you're going to ovulate and not just using LH strips, which is luteinizing hormone strips. A lot of people will use this in order to try to get pregnant, but that actually does not confirm ovulation. It's just letting you know when your luteinizing hormone is increasing because that will increase as you approach ovulation, but it's not confirming that it actually happens. People with PCOS actually will have issues with this where their luteinizing hormone will increase, but it will never actually reach ovulation. So it's really important for you to track it. So that would be the number one place I would start is by tracking your basal body temperature. And the reason why we track that your basal body temperature is your waking temperature. So you have to get a specific basal body thermometer. You could just look it up on Amazon. It connects with an app, like get one that like syncs with a Bluetooth you download an app for free. They're like 30, 40 bucks on Amazon. You can get ones that are more expensive, like with natural cycles and things like that, but you don't have to. And the reason why you want to track that and the reason why it actually shows that you ovulated is because when you ovulate, like I said, you produce the hormone progesterone and progesterone actually increases your body temperature. So when you're tracking your basal body temperature, you will see that increase after you ovulate. So before you ovulate from day one of your cycle till the day before you ovulate, your temperatures should be between about 97.1 to 97.7 degrees. Now, some people will have a lower body temperature and their range might be in the 96 to 96.7 range. I really prefer my clients being the 97, but if you are tracking it and you're listening to this, that could be a possibility. If it's ever in that 95 range, I highly suggest you getting your thyroid checked out because your thyroid is also a hormone that supports your blood, uh, your body temperature. And if your body temperature is in that 95 range, it could be you have an underactive thyroid. So it's another great reason why you should track your basal body temperature. So 97 to 97.7 before ovulation. After ovulation, you will see it increase about 0.5 degrees to 98 to 98.8 degrees. Now, the key is that that it stays at higher 98 to 98.8 degrees for three days in a row. If it just spikes up once and then goes back down, that does not confirm ovulation. It has to be three days in a row. Ideally, it's going to stay that higher temperature for at least 11 to 14 days max. It'll be max 14 days, but at least 11 days in throughout your luteal phase, which is the 10 to 14 days before your period. That is showing you that you had strong ovulation and you have good progesterone levels. And then it will drop the day you actually get your period. So I have a whole podcast episode on this too, episode 123 of the Mind Your Hormones podcast, because it's something that takes people a little bit of time to get to know. I mean, I have full trainings on it and stuff too, but that is definitely where I would suggest you start just to make sure that you're actually ovulating. That's amazing. 
So beyond tracking your ovulation and tracking your temperature, you said that there were some symptoms that you were experiencing and some dietary changes that you made in addition that affected your hormones. So whether you're trying to get pregnant or not, maybe you can tell us if it's different if you are. What are some ways that you can nurture your body outside of tracking these things? Yeah, amazing. And this is for you, whether you want to get pregnant or not. Of course, if you do want to get pregnant, there are additional things we can do. But again, we want to have your body in the state of being ready to get pregnant just because that because that will just mean your hormones are really good. Your nutrient levels are really good. You're having strong ovulation, whether you want to or not. So the thing with your hormones is it's not the sexy stuff. Like I'm not going to tell you this really cool cleanse or this really cool like workout program. Like it's the basic things because your hormones, first of all, they're chemical messengers in your body that travel throughout your bloodstream. So they affect every single area of your body and they really thrive on consistency. And the reason why so many of us, especially now, are experiencing hormone imbalances is because of the daily stress that we're under, where we're working a lot. We are also maybe running a home. Maybe you already have kids, or maybe you're going to school and you're working, or you have two jobs. Like, you know, there's so many things going on now that back in the day, women really weren't doing that kind of stuff. So they weren't under that much stress. And that is a huge thing that causes hormone imbalances. So we'll get into some ways that you could support yourself. But this is just some of the reasons why we are experiencing this. We're not getting enough sleep. We're waking up early, going to bed late to get in that boot camp class. We're staying up late to finish work. And like, we're doing all these things that are actually taxing our bodies. And we're not realizing that it's really disrupting our hormones. So the number one thing that I always tell everybody, but that nobody wants to hear and that everyone will be like, okay, what's next is sleep. You have to prioritize sleep. If your sleep is off, your hormones are going to be off 100%. It does not matter who you are. It's that is what's going to happen. Now, obviously, if you are a new mom and you have a newborn, like that's just not going to be the case for you. So it is what it is, right? And if you have kids, it could look different. But really working on your sleep is going to support your hormones in so many different ways because that's when your body is rejuvenating. That is when it's going to help really stabilize your insulin levels and your blood sugar. Because again, it's not just your sex hormones that have to do with your body. It's your cortisol levels, your insulin levels, like everything is connected. So really making sure that you are prioritizing getting like eight hours of sleep a night is the number one place to start because it doesn't matter how well you're eating or how well you're working out. If you're getting six hours of sleep, five hours of sleep, it's not going to make a difference. So that's always the number one place that I recommend people start. And it's also not just about the quantity of sleep with like the eight hours. It's also when you're going to sleep. So if like right now you're like, I'm getting eight hours, I'm going like midnight to 8am. It's actually really beneficial for your hormones to be asleep before 11 o'clock because our body and our organs are on clocks. It's the easiest way to say it on like different timers and different things are going to be rejuvenating and cleaning out at different times. So being asleep before 11 is ideal for your hormones and work your way up to that. If you're right now sleeping five hours, you're probably, it's going to be really hard for you to go to sleep three hours earlier, right? Like just make it realistic and go to bed 15 minutes earlier every week because you also, your circadian rhythm, which is your sleep and wake cycle, that is tightly connected to your menstrual cycle. It's set to a certain time right now where you're getting to sleep at one certain time, you're waking up at a certain time. If you're just going to totally switch that really quickly, it's not going to work out. So just like start easing into it would be my absolute number one tip for your hormone health. And then Number two is not over-exercising. This is another thing that I see a ton because of 
the way that we see people online of going to Orange Theory every single day, doing CrossFit every single day, going to spin class every single day. It's like having to push your body so much to make it into a different shape. And that's just so detrimental to your hormones because your hormones fluctuate throughout the month, like we were talking about before. And especially the the 10 to 14 days before your period, that luteal phase, this is when you really want to slow down your workouts. I mean, I would recommend slowing them down for someone who's like really intense, like going at it all the time. I would just like really encourage you to look at why are you doing that? Is that actually working? How do you actually feel after? Do you feel energized after? Do you feel depleted? Like what is actually going on? Because our cortisol levels are tightly connected to our hormones. It's actually a top tier hormone. So when your cortisol is chronically high from over-exercising, under-eating, being in traffic, a fight with your partner, like can't figure out what to wear, like all the different stressors that we have, it's chronically increasing. And in order for your body to keep producing more cortisol, it actually uses progesterone, the hormone we were talking about before, that is needed for you know holding on to a nourishing pregnancy, for supporting your metabolism, thyroid, all stuff we talked about before. It actually uses progesterone to produce more cortisol. So when that is happening, you're just consistently lowering your progesterone levels, causing more PMS, causing more stress and anxiety, causing your metabolism to be affected, causing your thyroid to be affected. It's a, it's a snowball effect. And the reason why I'm talking about really slowing down those workouts in your luteal phase, the 10 to 14 days before your period is because naturally your cortisol level, your resting cortisol level rate is naturally higher in that luteal phase. So you already have higher cortisol levels. So it's even more important to not jack that up in that phase, because when that's happening, not only is your progesterone levels lowering, When our cortisol levels are chronically high, it can lead to adrenal fatigue and all of that, but it also causes you to store fat and waste muscle. And that's the total opposite of what people are doing when they're chronically exercising like that. That makes total sense. Before we jump into nutrition, I would love to know, because obviously moving your body is important, right? And like if you are trying to have, bring another life into this world, or you're just trying to, you know, get your body back on track with your hormones, it's important to exercise. So what are some activities that you would recommend for maybe that person that's like, okay, well, I still want to be moving my body, but how do I do it in a way that's like beneficial? So glad you asked that because that's the thing. It's we're meant to move our bodies. Like that's not me saying like, stop moving and just like sit on the couch. Like it's our hormones love movement. It's just, we have been conditioned to over exercise and to push our bodies in ways that don't make sense. So we feel like we have to crush a workout and sweat like insane in order to it for it to count as a workout. But I like to think of it as movement. Can you go for a walk more? Walking is one of the best things you could do for your hormones in general. And it's good for your mind, like your heart, everything. So switching your mindset from crushing a workout to moving your body in ways that feel good and to being consistent with it. What can you stay consistent with every single day? It's For me, it's consistency over quality all day long. So for me, it's like 15, 20 minutes of a workout every day. That's what I can always commit to. An hour workout every day is never going to happen. And it honestly doesn't feel good for me, especially with PCOS. A lot of people, they won't thrive with that. So doing like slow strength training is amazing for your hormones. Walking, Pilates, yoga, even bar Things like that are awesome for your hormones. Even like riding your bike outside, stuff like that. And if you're someone who you're like, I really love running, I'm not telling you you can never run, obviously, but it's more so about doing it when you have the hormonal capacity to do so. 
when your hormones are in a more balanced place and when they are in a balanced place and then around your follicular and ovulatory phases when you actually have the hormones to support it, not during your luteal phase, which is the 10 to 14 days before your period, not during your period, it's not going to support you. But in general, doing movements that feel good, that are slow, intentional, strength training, things like that, your hormones love. It doesn't love the insane grind hour every day, like sweating insane. Like it's just not going to work for long-term sustainability. Oh my gosh. I just think that you wrapped that up so well. And I'm like, yeah, why do we make it so complicated? Like, let's just go for a walk every day. (laughs) Literally, like watch your body change when you go for like a three mile walk every day and do 15 minutes of Pilates. Like your body is going to respond to that because it can respond. It's not stressed out. It's not in fight or flight mode where it feels like it's being attacked by a tiger and everything is shutting down. Like we have to do things that our body can actually respond to instead of consistently pushing it and really not even feeling good after a lot of the times. You're like feel depleted after. You should always feel energized after a workout long-term, not depleted. So outside of working out, what about nutrition? So what are some of the foods that you can do to nourish your body? If you are trying to get pregnant, are there anything specific to fertility and just like hormone balance in general? Yeah, so I don't believe there are specific foods that support your fertility. I really believe it's about getting down to the root cause of where your imbalances are coming from in the first place. So if you are experiencing hormone imbalances, where is it coming from? Is it that you have dysregulated blood sugar? Is it that you have inflammation, chronic inflammation levels that are high? Is it that you your nervous system is whacked out? Is it that your liver needs support? Is it that your gut needs support? There are, those are like, and or is it nutrient deficiencies? Those are like the five major root causes that are causing hormone imbalances. So a specific food isn't going to support your fertility if you're not addressing that root cause. So it's really about addressing that and shifting your lifestyle slowly over time to actually support that root cause long-term so that your body is naturally working the way that it's meant to and ovulating and supporting your fertility. So what I would say from a food perspective is not so much specific foods, but in general, making sure that the foods you are eating, especially fruits and vegetables, and if you are a meat eater, stuff like that, I'm personally plant-based, is organic. That is extremely important, especially the if you go to the environmental working group, ewg.org, they have the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. The Dirty Dozen are the 12 fruits and vegetables that have the most amount of pesticides on them. Those are the most important to get organic, as well as, again, meats and things like that if you are consuming that. Because... When you are consuming pesticides on a daily basis, like people will think it's like, oh, I'm having an amazing salad with like spinach and tomatoes and cucumbers and all these things. And those are loaded with pesticides and pesticides are going to attack your nervous system. They're going to affect your endocrine system. They've been directly linked to reproductive disorders, to infertility, to cancer. So it's going to be throwing a wrench into your system um, and it's going to really affect you. So instead of thinking of specific foods, it's more thinking about what can we do as a whole to improve the food quality as well. So making sure um, you're getting organic as much as possible. So again, you can just go to ewg.org to check that list out. If you don't want to get everything organic, that would be the number one thing I would say for food. And then number two would be increasing your amount of plants and fiber, insoluble and soluble fiber, because a lot of people are so focused on protein. How much protein can we get? We have to get more protein. Of course, protein is important, especially if you are pregnant, you need to be consuming protein. First of all, of course, obviously I'm plant-based, so I have to say this, you don't need to get protein from meat. It's 
meat gets protein from plants. Every single plant has protein in it. Do you have to be maybe more intentional about it? Maybe, but you absolutely can get plenty of protein on a plant-based diet. So for those of you who are like, oh, how do I do that? Like that's a whole nother conversation, but we're so focused on that instead of being focused on fiber intake. And fiber is extremely important for your hormones because fiber is what's going to come into your system. It's going to bulk up your stools so that you can eliminate properly and be pooping enough to actually get toxins and excess hormones and excess metabolic waste out of your system and support your gut, feed the good bacteria in your gut. And it's also what's going to, it depends if it's soluble or insoluble. I'm just going to wrap it all up. Fire is also what comes into the body and it acts as like a net and it mops up all the excess estrogen levels, the excess metabolic waste, the excess toxins, environmental toxins, all these things. It puts it all up in a little net, moves it from the liver into the gut, creates poop and gets it out of your body. So if you're not having enough fiber, you're going to have these estrogen levels recirculate back into your body, causing a disproportionate amount of estrogen to progesterone, which is going to cause painful periods, heavy periods, migraines, PMS, mood swings, low fertility, pretty much all these hormone imbalance symptoms that we see, a lot of it can be related back to that. So you really want to make sure that you have enough fiber to get all those things out of your body, especially when you are talking about fertility or even without. That's something that's really, really important as well. I love that. Thank you so much. You've given us so much information already. I do have a couple more questions I want to dive into. But based off of just kind of like, let's take it back to basics for anyone that's already like listening and they're a little overwhelmed because this could be new to them, right? So what are some like basic resources? It could be your own podcast, your own resources that they at this point are like, oh my gosh, like I feel like people are probably in one of three buckets. They're like, I'm trying to get pregnant. I'm really eager to figure this out. I think I might have hormone issues and I need to learn more about it. Or someone that's like, oh, you know what? I don't think that's super applicable to me at this state, but I'd love to learn more about how to avoid it in the future. So depending on which bucket they're in, before we dive deeper into some of the other actions that they can take and what that looks like, where's just kind of like ground zero basics that someone can go back to and be like, okay, what are the hormones that like I should even be worried about? And when should I be trying to get pregnant? If I'm trying to get pregnant, are there some resources that people could dive into to kind of take them back there? Yeah, totally. So obviously my podcast, Mind Your Hormones, I have so many episodes on there. It's like over 230 episodes. There's so much information you could dive into over there with whatever stage you're in, you could find something for you. So I would definitely recommend you go there. As far as like, if you want to learn resources on your own, you just want to start informing yourself about it. Some books that I really like are the Period Repair Manual by Dr. Lara Bryden talks like all about hormone imbalances and what your period should look like. And it it really dives into that. That will give you like a really good understanding of your menstrual cycle in general. And it could kind of let you know where you might be at. So I really like that resource. The thing is with your hormones, it's very hard to figure out on your own. And this is what I did for a really long time. And which is why it took me so many years to actually understand what was happening because they're so intricate and because there's so many different things that actually affect it. So if you are in that stage of, okay, I definitely want to get pregnant within the next year or two or less. And I know that I have hormonal balances. Maybe I'm on hormonal birth control right now and I want to get off of it because hormonal birth, that's a whole other conversation we can get into maybe if <laughs> we have another three hours. It's really important to actually 
get support around it. Otherwise, it's going to take you a really long time because you'll just be throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks instead of actually addressing the root cause, which is what I did for so long. So whether you go to a functional doctor, I re- recommend them. I, your regular OB, like I hate to say it, they're not going to support you in it. Like it just is what it is. They don't have the nutrition. If you are looking to do things naturally, they just don't have the nutrition and lifestyle education around it. Like it's really an education system problem, not a doctor problem. So I would go to either a naturopath, a functional functional doctor, like a functional medicine doctor. Of course, I have resources around this. I have my course that's actually going to address all the major root causes that we're talking and and teach you how to live a hormone supportive lifestyle. There are, of course, other people if you want to connect more with someone else, but I would highly recommend finding someone who you can connect with and who can support you on this, you know, gather information, of course, podcast books, whatever. But if you really want to see a change, and not do it all on your own and take forever, it's really important to get someone to support you in that. Amazing. So a lot of what we've talked about is, you know, kind of the way it affects many of our listeners, which is motherhood, and also just like your female system and what that looks like. But there's this new trend with really syncing your work productivity and your life productivity with your cycle. And it might not be new, but it's new to me. So I would love for you to just kind of talk about that as, you know, a typical cycle length and how that may differ for certain people. But how do you kind of make your life work with this cycle that we all have, even if we are pregnant, even if we are are no longer having cycles, if we've already gone through menopause, or if we have an imbalance in any of those things. Okay, amazing. So if you are pregnant, if you're on hormonal birth control, if you are in menopause, you don't have a cycle. So you don't have fluctuating hormones. So you can't sync up your life to your different hormones. You could do it in a different way. But as far as talking about our hormones fluctuating and syncing up to different phases of our cycle, which is what you're referring to. If you're pregnant on hormonal birth control or in menopause, that's not going to be for you. So if that's you right now, this conversation could be for you when you're done being pregnant or when you get off hormonal birth control. If you're in menopause, that ship has sailed. But for other people, it's for you if you have a menstrual cycle, a natural menstrual cycle, you're not on hormonal birth control, you're not pregnant. So that is really important to state. And the reason for that is because you have cycle phases. In order to have cycle phases, you have to be ovulating. And when you're on hormonal birth control, you're not ovulating. When you're pregnant, you're not ovulating. So that's why. So if your hormones are irregular and your period is all over the map, I don't even recommend you starting to get into cycle phases because you don't even know if it's not consistent. It's more more important. Step one is always addressing that root cause, getting your cycle regular, and then diving into how you can now leverage your regular cycle and the different phases that you're in. So your hormones fluctuate throughout the month, right? So day one of your cycle is your menstrual phase. We have four phases. We have menstrual phase, follicular phase, ovulatory phase, and luteal phase. So day one of your cycle is everybody's menstrual phase. This is kind of like winter if we're talking about it in seasonal, which is like kind of makes it easier to understand. This is where your hormones, your estrogen, your progesterone, and your testosterone are at their absolute lowest levels. So this is why you will naturally feel that lower energy because your hormones have a direct effect on your brain, because your hormones are at lower levels, the left and right hemispheres of your brain are communicating more effectively. So this is a really good time for work and productivity wise, 
for you to go inward and for you to really tap into your intuition and what's naturally coming up for you because you have the left side of your brain that's really like able to feel into like what needs to change, what's going well, what's not going well. And then you have the analytical side of your brain that's able to be like, okay, and this is the path to get us there. So it's really, really beneficial for you during your menstrual phase to take the time to have some alone time, even if you are a mom, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you can get to really like tune in and feel and allow whatever is you're feeling to come up. A lot of times we'll be like, oh, but you're on your period. So that's why you feel that way. It's like, no, I feel that way. Yes, because I'm on my period, but also because I'm more intuitive. It's not just because I'm being quote unquote hormonal, which is also, you know, a whole other topic. So that's what's really, really helpful from a productivity standpoint, because a lot of times we like to brush through that and not give ourselves that time, but we actually need that in order to grow in whatever area of our life we need. So slowing down, tuning in, that's the type of quote unquote work I recommend during your menstrual phase. And then that's about three to seven days long. Whenever your menstrual phase ends is when your follicular phase begins. And your follicular phase is like spring, if we're talking about seasons. And this is when your estrogen and your testosterone levels are now slowly rising, which is why you're going to feel a natural uptick of your energy. And this is when your brain is primed for newness. It really likes new experiences. It's really likes brainstorming and planning. So this is a great time for you to brainstorm new ideas, for you to be super creative, depending on what your position is. If you're like a teacher, this is a great time to create new lesson plans or new projects. If you are an entrepreneur, this is a great time to create content, to map out the month of how you want to do things, or just anyone mapping out the month, just planning ahead. This is what your brain loves to do during this time. And you could do anything you want at any time in your cycle, but we might as well do what is most easy for us in each phase and what we're going to be most efficient at because it's going to be so much easier and so much quicker for you to be creative, to brainstorm, to think of new ideas, things like that in your follicular phase than it is in any other phase of your cycle. So let's just like prioritize doing different tasks that are actually going to support you in every single phase of your cycle. As far as lengthwise for your follicular phase, this is the most variable time of your cycle. So the reason for that is because everyone ovulates at a different time. So your follicular phase is when you're done with your period and it ends like before you ovulate. So it just depends. Again, you have to track your ovulation to see how long your follicular phase actually is going to be because it's going to be different for everyone. Not everybody ovulates on day 14, even though a lot of people tell you that. A lot of, I ovulate on day 21. I have clients that ovulate around that time. So it's like, just totally depends. So that is your follicular phase. And then you move into your ovulation phase. And this is about, ovulation is only one day, but the phase can be anywhere from like three to four days. You're actually only fertile for five to six days out of the month during this ovulation time. So ovulation is when all your hormones are peaking. Your estrogen is peaking, your testosterone is peaking. Progesterone will come onto the scene after ovulation, but right now, estrogen and progesterone are peaking. So this is like summertime, right? You have a ton of energy. You're feeling really great. Your mood is lifted. You want to be really social during ovulation. You are like magnetic. So this is a great time for networking, for going on podcasts, for having hard conversations, talking to your boss about a raise, talking to your partner about something you really want to talk to them about. Your brain is more easily able to communicate what you actually want to get through and get across. So this is a really great time to prioritize speaking engagements, hard conversations, networking, being social, going out with friends. Like this is the time you want to like be a social butterfly. So when you're planning stuff in your follicular phase, 
plan gatherings and things like that around your ovulation phase because you're going to really be excited to do it then. Whereas when you move into your luteal phase, which is the 10 to 14 days before your period, you now have progesterone on the scene and then your estrogen and testosterone levels are slowly declining. So this is when you want to go more inward. This is when your brain switches to like productivity mode. You want to wrap shit up. You want to get things done. Like any projects that maybe you start in your follicular phase, you want to finish it. You want to, you're going to get those return boxes that have been sitting there and like your Amazon returns that you've been putting, putting off. You're going to want to get that done in this phase. You're going to want to do like backend admin tasks, like detail oriented things during this phase. And you're going to want to definitely spend more time alone. So giving yourself that space and doing more backend stuff instead of being more fate forward facing, obviously, depending on your job is going to depend on how much flexibility you have, but getting things done not procrastinating, doing more detail-oriented stuff, financial things, like that's how your brain is wanting to work in your luteal phase. And that is what's highly recommended for that phase. And then we did menstrual phase. Yeah, so that's all of them. Yeah, that's amazing. So again, for those that are maybe new to this, what is the best way to track these? To even know what portion of your cycle you're in? Is there like a good app or a good, you know, kind of worksheet ways that they can walk through it? And, you know, taking into consideration that most of the people that are listening have a lot of plates they're juggling between mom life and all the other things. Who doesn't? So what, I know, right? So what is like the easiest way to go about that? Yeah. So your menstrual phase and your ovulation is the only two you really need to know. Those are your anchors. So you obviously know when you're getting your period because you, you're bleeding and then tracking your ovulation. If you're not tracking your ovulation, you're not going to be able to know when your follicular phase is because that's right before your ovulation starts and you're not going to be able to know when your luteal phase begins. So just go back to tracking your ovulation. Again, getting a basal body thermometer to actually track that. As far as apps, Elisa Vidi has um, an app called In The Flow and that is where it will let you know like what phase you're in. But again, that is just going to be based off of it doesn't you can't track your basal body temperature within the app. So it's just going to kind of guess when you're actually ovulating. So it might not be totally accurate, but it's really cool to see like she has all the information about the different phases in there. So if you are interested in learning more about that, that's really a good place for you to start. But as far as tracking it, track your ovulation, and then you'll be able to know, okay, I ovulated now. So now I know I'm in my luteal phase. Then I get my period. Then I know my follicular phase. Okay, I ovulated. Like, so you'll be able to know when you have the anchors of your menstrual phase and your ovulation phase. Pregnant or not, women feel the effects of their hormones through all stages of their lives. What are hormones at the core and what do they do for our body? Okay, so this can get really complicated because there are so many hormones in the body. Um, like so the I don't think to it's going to be beneficial. To yeah, I, don't, I don't think that's going to be beneficial for your audience because there's so many hormones in the body. So what I would say is that your hormones control everything in your body because again, they're they're chemical messengers. So they are the ones that are communicating to every organ of what to do, how to do it. They go into your cells, your tissues, like they're the communicators within your body. If one of them is off, it's going to affect all of them. It's like a domino effect and everything is connected. So your cortisol and your insulin levels is what I will talk about because those are your top two hormones. Getting into all the others is just not going to be supportive. So I'm not going to do that. But your cortisol and your insulin levels, I consider them top tier hormones. This is in Nicole Jardin's book, Fix Your Period. And she explains it like this as well, because 
if your cortisol and insulin levels are off, it causes that domino effect and affects everything else. These aren't sex hormones, but they're hormones in your body. Again, it's not just about your sex hormones, but these will affect your sex hormones if they are off. So your cortisol, again, is your stress hormone. So this is why when we're talking about hormones, if you're not getting proper sleep, if you aren't addressing your stressors and making sure that you are having time for yourself, or maybe you're slowing down and meditating or journaling or going for a walk in nature and addressing, maybe you need to address some boundaries, have some conversations, eliminate stressors from your life, like things like that are extremely important because if your cortisol levels are chronically high, like we talked about before, it's going to then affect your blood sugar. And then it's going to affect your estrogen and your progesterone and your DHEA and everything. It's going to just go down on a spiral. So number one is, is focusing on your cortisol. How are you adding stress to your life? Are you over-exercising? Are you under-eating? Are like literally eating enough? So many women are not eating enough because they're focused on calorie counting, on cutting carbs, on not having any fat, on, on fasting, all these things that are so detrimental to your hormones. So really looking at your stress levels, obviously you're not ever going to get rid of stress. That's completely never going to happen, but it's more about setting up your life in a way that you're not adding more stress to your plate that's unnecessary. And then having practices in your life to help offset the stress that you are going to experience. You could come at the stressors with more peace and with a more regulated nervous system. So that is number one. And then your insulin, your insulin levels are, we could just talk about like blood sugar purposes. So dysregulated blood sugar, every single person I've ever worked with who has had a hormone imbalance has had some form of dysregulated blood sugar. And this is again, because we are told to fast, we're told not to eat, we're told to cut calories, we're told to have coffee on an empty stomach. We're told to do all these things that are negatively impacting your blood sugar, as well as not sleeping as well as working out without eating and all these things. So dysregulated blood sugar is going to affect everything. So something that you can really do to help support your insulin levels is number one, sleep, like we talked about. Number two is eating within 90 minutes of waking up, not having caffeine on an empty stomach. I mean, no pre-workout, no coffee, nothing on an empty stomach that is horrible for your hormones, horrible for your blood sugar. It's like a whole nother conversation, but that is something that's going to really support your blood sugar and actually having a breakfast that has a protein, a fiber, and a healthy fat in it. That's stabilizing you. That is not just like grabbing an apple or having a organic juice or having just like a bagel or toast, like having protein, fiber, and healthy fat is going to help set the tone for your blood sugar for the day. And that's extremely important for your hormone levels. Thank you so much. That is so helpful. So while I wanted to focus on what is outside of trying to get pregnant, for anyone that is listening, that is trying to get pregnant, you talked about that five to six days are really the only days that you're fertile. If someone's listening and they're like, I want to get off this call. I'm ready to have a baby. I'm maybe they're in a state where they're really frustrated that it hasn't already happened. What are a couple pieces of advice or just kind of like the framework of what they should make sure that they know when they dive deep? Of course, you can support them via your course and your podcast. But for anyone that gets off the call that's maybe feeling a little frustrated and overwhelmed and they're really ready for this next part of their life, what's the feedback you would give them or the days that they need to know? Yeah. So, There's so much that goes into this. It, of course, depends on why you're having fertility struggles. And the thing is that our body's always trying to protect us. 
So if it doesn't feel like it's in a safe environment to reproduce, it's not going to ovulate. It's going to delay it. It's, it's, it's not going to work. Of course, there's so many other things like divine timing and all that, that I do believe play a part into it, but we really need to make our bodies feel safe. And this is just something that happens overnight. So I totally understand with fertility, especially if you've been trying for a while that you just want it to happen and you want it to happen now. And again, that causes a lot of stress in our bodies. So I would just say to take a deep breath and to know that it's it's just not going to happen overnight, especially if you've been trying for so long and you're trying to figure out the reason why. But that when you do understand the reason why, when you are targeting it, which we'll talk about ways that you can support that, it doesn't take that long to start healing when you're doing the proper strategies that are actually going to support what you specifically need because your body is designed to heal. It is literally meant to heal. It just has to get what it actually needs. So from a fertility perspective, I will definitely start with nutrient density. That is so extremely important. A lot of people will just take a prenatal that either their doctor recommends or that they could just like get in the store because that's what we're told to do. And unfortunately, those prenatals are are actually the RDA is like the recommended daily allowance. That is just so that your baby doesn't have like birth defects. It is not actually supporting you in a way that is allowing your body to thrive. It's not giving you a therapeutic amount of all the nutrients that you actually need. Having a baby, getting pregnant, having a like growing a human is an extremely energy intensive process. Like you're growing a human, you're growing an organ to support that human. Like there's so much that goes into it. So you have to make sure you have a lot of nutrient density. So getting a high quality prenatal is so important. I am obsessed with the Needed brand. I absolutely love them. So if you want to go check them out, check out Needed Obsessed and making sure that you are taking other supplements. I do have a supplement training for anyone who really wants to dive into it, but a couple of the ones that I will, because if I say all of them, they'll be so overwhelmed. So I'll give you a few of them. Recommend definitely Needed prenatal. For sure, I recommend an omega, DHA, EPA supplementation, magnesium, vitamin D3. Like these are so important for your hormones and for your fertility. So really making sure that you are doing that. And if you are someone who is like looking to get pregnant, I recommend having taking all these supplements for at least six months before you start trying, ideally, because your body, when you first get pregnant, it works off of your nutrient stores. So you want to have built up a lot of nutrients so that your baby can, because a lot of people will get sick in the first trimester, they may, might not be eating as much. So it works off your nutrient stores for a reason. So you really want to make sure you're preparing your body with that. So that's like one of the Number one things I would say for fertility is making sure that you have good supplementation. And then what I always say is if you wouldn't do it when you're pregnant, don't do it when you're trying to get pregnant. So like alcohol, certain foods, like they recommend like not having cold cuts, obviously not smoking or doing a crazy intense workout that you're like really overstressing your body. Like all of these things, lowering your caffeine intake. If you wouldn't do it when you're pregnant, don't do it when you're trying to get pregnant. Um, it's like an easy way to try and like minimize things that are going to support you because your body needs to be in a state where it is ready and, and it's, it's, it's ready to go and it's strong in order to not only get pregnant, but to hold onto and nourish a pregnancy. So many of us are focused on just getting pregnant, but that's just like, that's not the easiest part because it's not easy, but that's just like one piece of it. Then it's holding on to that pregnancy, nourishing it, staying pregnant, having a safe and healthy pregnancy. And that takes you strengthening your body over time with these small habits, with adding in more fruits and vegetables, with having organic foods, with sleeping, with lowering your stress levels, like all these like little things. Obviously there's a lot that goes into it, but 
It's doing these things over time, consistency over quantity and making your body feel safe and not doing things that you wouldn't do when you're pregnant is like one of the easiest ways you could just start thinking of stuff that you could start shifting. Yeah, I love that advice. I think that that is great. I have just received so much value from you today and (laughs) there is so much information here. We'll definitely have to have you come back and talk about PCOS and birth control and all the fun things. So many things. (laughs) But if the listeners today could get off of this podcast and take one step in their lives to better balance their hormones or work on their wellness, what is one tip that you would give them? Yeah, uh, slow down. (laughs) Like I feel like I say this all the time and people don't like to do it but this is what's actually going to help support you is slowing down, taking time for yourself, prioritizing your sleep, not being hustling, grinding. Like these are things that are going to affect your hormones. And these are things that we have a really hard time with. Uh, I'm, I'm a type A person. I'm a go, go, go person. Like I get it, but slowing down is your body can't heal when it's in fight or flight mode. It's unable to heal when it's in that mode because it thinks you're getting chased by a tiger. Your body doesn't know the difference between getting chased by a tiger and being stressed out over like a fight you have with your partner. Obviously, you're going to fight like not saying not to avoid it all, but slowing down and taking time to actually nourish yourself is what's going to support you. And a lot of people won't do it because they don't think it matters, but it does matter. So that is the biggest thing that I would say. And just to remind you to trust the process, to know that your body is designed to heal, that it will will heal over time once you are actually giving it what it needs to thrive because it's literally what it's designed to do. If you're not getting the result that you actually want to get yet, it's just because you haven't addressed the problem, the root cause of where these problems are coming from. And once you do, you will start seeing results. So know that it is so possible and you just have to give it time and address that root cause and be consistent. And over time, it it will pan out. Oh my goodness. Well, Corinne, thank you so much for those that are listening that are like, I need more of this. I need Corinne. I need her support. What are some of the ways that they can connect with you? I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what your course covers and really how they can dive deep with you. Yeah. So definitely my podcast, Mind Your Hormones, dive in. So much information over there. As far as social media, I'm always on Instagram at Corinne Angelica. You could find me over there. And then my course is called The Mind Your Hormones Method. And this is where we are addressing the five major root causes of all hormonal imbalances that we touched on. So there's a different module for each hormonal imbalance because a lot of people will be like, how do I know my root causes? And the truth is that over time, even if your root cause started with dysregulated blood sugar, that's going to then cause inflammation in your body. And that's going to then cause it. So it's again, a domino effect. So that's why we cover all of them, which is why it's super effective. So if you're someone right now who has an irregular period, a painful period, PCOS, you're on birth control and you want to safely stop it. You want to boost your fertility. You have PMS symptoms, migraines, like any of these things. And you really just want to learn how to live a lifestyle that actually supports your hormones without medication, without deprivation. That's who the Mind Your Hormones Method is for because we are addressing your blood sugar, your nutrient stores, your gut, your liver, your nervous system in a very simple way. It's your step-by-step roadmap. So it breaks it down super easy. Like again, nothing fancy, no cleanses. Like it's just things that you can do every single day slowly over time that's going to allow your body to heal and to thrive and to do what it's meant to do. So there are two options. There's a self-paced option. Well, the course is always, you get immediate access to it, lifetime access to it, and it's self-paced. You could just purchase that on its own 
or you could purchase that with coaching calls. So there's two options for that. I can give you the link for that if you want to put it in the show notes. But then also, of course, you could reach out to me on Instagram or you could my website, Crinangelica Wellness, will have information about it as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Corinne. Mamas, if you loved this episode as much as I did, please follow Mama Has Goals on Apple Podcasts so you always know when we drop a new episode. And the most important thing, please leave a five-star review sharing your favorite part of this episode. Send a message to Corinne, tag her in your stories with your biggest takeaway and follow us on Instagram at Mama Has Goals. See you next time. Thank you so much.